brought your Bibles, and I hope that you have, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. Way back there towards the back of your Bible, 2 Peter, the last chapter in 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, I'm going to begin at verse 11. I'll give you just a moment to find it. As you're finding 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, it was hard for me to decide uh, where I would start, where the Lord would have me to start reading uh, the scripture. It's hard. What I'm saying is it's hard to divide this chapter. I, I, I want to read the whole chapter, but uh, for the sake of time, we'll start at verse 11 and go through the end of the chapter. So we'll read kind of the second half of it. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 11, says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, shall, uh, the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that, we, <clears throat> that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also with other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, Beware lest ye also be led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you here this morning. Lord, we thank you for the good day and the many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you've given us to gather here this morning. Uh, to worship you in spirit and truth. We thank you, Lord, for each one you've sent our way here this morning. Lord, for the roof you put over our head, the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have, Lord. So many blessings that you've poured out on us, Lord. Every breath that we draw, it is a gift from you. But we thank you most of all this morning for your son, Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. God, we just, uh, we're not worthy. We don't deserve it. Uh, Lord, there's not enough that we could do to thank you. We couldn't repay you, not in a million years. And God, you knew all of this. And Lord, but you've done it anyways. And so Lord, let us be uh, always uh, give you all the praise and glory. Let us always be thankful. Let us always look to you. Let us always uh, lift our voices up to you. Let us always uh, strive to be the people that you have called us to be. And God, I just pray as we go forward this morning in this service, Lord, you know every heart and mind that is here. Nothing is hidden from you. No, there's no one here that surprises you. No mistakes here this morning. So, Lord, I'm just praying here this morning, Lord, that you would just move 
in a mighty way. Lord, that you would just show up here and do what only you can do. Lord, we've already felt your presence here this morning. And so I'm just asking that you would just continue to show up and continue to move here this morning. Lord, uh, my prayer is everyone would leave here knowing that they've been in your presence this morning. Lord, my prayer is that everyone would leave here this morning knowing that they have heard from you here this morning. So God, I'm just asking, help me get out of the way. Help all of us to get out of the way. And let us turn our thoughts, our focus, our mind completely and totally on you. Let us give you the attention that you alone deserve and are due. And Lord, I pray if there's any here that doesn't know you, any that are lost and undone, any that are not sure where they stand with you, if there's anybody here that has a question or a doubt in their mind, if they were to die today, what would happen next? I pray that today would be the day that they would get that settled. Today would be the day that they would repent and turn to you before it's everlasting too late. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So God, move by your sweet Holy Spirit here in this service. God, help me be the preacher that you've called me to be. God, forgive me of where I fall short. Uh, my inadequacies and my... Uh, every place where I've come short. Clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very things that you'd have me to say here this morning. Lord, I want all of them to know that I'm just the vessel here this morning. It's from you, through my spirit to their spirit. And be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, I'm asking for your anointing, your holy unction. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I look at this chapter, this passage of Scripture, um, obviously talking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, talking about the promise, right? Uh, and that God is not slack con uh, concerning His promises, but that He is long-suffering uh, to us, not willing that any should perish, uh, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, I know that there was things that... Um, the Christians at this time uh, were having trouble to understand. Uh, and, you know, why is it that God is still waiting? Well, Peter answers in this that it's, he's not slack, right? But his waiting is salvation for those that are continually coming to the Lord. Here we are nearly 2,000 years later, uh, and we still see that God's patience is waiting, his salvation and so, and so we see that. We see him uh, addressing this. Um, there's one phrase in here, right, uh, that really stood out to me, and it's, and it's what God impressed upon me, and, and I guess what I'm going to preach on here this morning. Um, but in verse 16, uh, verse 16, let me read the whole verse to you. It says, As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things... Hard to be understood. That phrase right there, hard to be understood. Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Now there's a lot of important um, theology, if you want to use a technical term. Um, biblical doctrine uh, would probably be a term more that we would probably use. Uh, doctrine means teaching, right? What 
the Bible teaches us. There's some important things dealt with in this whole chapter, the second coming of the Lord, right? Uh, judgment uh, is talked about here. One thing that I think is easily missed here is in verse 15, it refers to the Apostle Paul in the letters, the epistles that he had written, right? That's part of our New Testament. It refers to those, right, with a subtle phrase I read to you, um, other scriptures, Right, so if you if you think about what it's saying there, it is calling what Paul has written. Right, so in other words, the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, First, Second Corinthians, First, Second Thessalonians, First, Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, so on and so forth. Right, there's several right through there. Right, it's referring to those as scriptures, and it's saying that there is there there is that some of these things are hard to understand, and then it talks about but there is ones that come in. It calls them unlearned and unstable. It says they rest, that means they twist, right? So they take these things that are difficult to grasp, spiritual truths that the Holy Spirit has written to us through the Apostle Paul, and it's talking about these false teachers that will come in, right? And they will take these uh, things that are hard to understand, and they will twist them, and it says that's what they do with other scripture as well. So this is what they do, and it's to their own destruction and then it also talks about in verse 17 that we've got to be careful right that we don't uh, follow their air right that we're not led away by their air and that we don't fall and so there's a lot of important things right a lot of biblical doctrines that are talked about in this chapter I mean it's just chock full but I want to focus for a minute on that hard to understand I started to talk about that already. He addresses some things here and gives some context and some meaning and some explanation to some things that are hard to understand. But there's a lot of other things also that are hard to understand. Look, there's, I'll just be completely honest, confess with you here this morning. This is not something that I've ever tried to hide from you before. There is much about the Bible that I do not understand. I don't claim to, to have it all figured out or to understand it all. I most definitely don't. As a matter of fact, let me give you something, a word of warning. If you encounter somebody who claims to have it all figured out, that should be a giant red flag to you, right? That should be, that should be warning. That's somebody you need to maybe back away from, put a little distance between you and them, all right? Because there is definitely things uh, that we don't understand yet, things that we, uh, that we wrestle with, right, or don't totally understand. But listen to me here, all right? Uh, there's things that we are simply, or I'm simply, not going to fully grasp or understand or get all of what God is trying to say or teach or, or what he means there, uh, this side of eternity. It's just, that's just the way that it is, right? The Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, right? Uh, chapter 13, seeing through a glass darkly, right? Uh, so, the, I mean, you see some things, right? You see uh, the shadow of some things, the image of some things. Some things you can kind of make out, right? But there's a lot of things that you're just not sure about seeing through a glass darkly. And so anyways, I, I want you to understand, though, given that, it, it, still yet, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter how much I understand or how much I don't understand. The Bible is still true. It is still the Word of God, and I still believe it. Every last word of it, all right? It is God's Word. And so as we're talking about these things that are hard to 
understand. I want to share with you this morning, I want to use that as a launching pad to share with you some of the things, and some of these may have been some of the very things that Peter were talking was talking about. Some of them probably not. Some of them, though, are things that um, are hard to understand, especially hard for the unspiritual, the unregenerate mind to understand. There's some things that I want to share with you this morning that just goes against all of our logic and reason. Some things that seem foolish. Maybe you could even say impossible, at least to the, to the worldly person's way of thinking, they would seem absolutely impossible. So let me start here this morning. First of all, let me present to you that the Bible teaches us that the way to live is to die. Think about that for a minute. The way to live is to die. Jesus himself says in John 10.10, now we quote the first half of that verse all the time where, where, it tells us, where he tells us the thief has come but not to, to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's why the devil has come. That's the thief. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But the second half of that is where Jesus is saying, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now think about that for a second. God wants each Christian to live abundantly. But first, we must die. Think about that for a second, right? The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. The way to live is to die. Listen to me. Let me just be completely honest with you here this morning. We talk a lot about revival. I talk a lot about revival. And there's other ministers around that talk about it too. But let, let me be honest with you. What we need is we need a good old-fashioned revival of crucifixion among the Christians. Do you hear me this morning? We need a, we need a revival of, uh, of crucified tongues, crucified ears, crucified eyes and crucified hands. That's why Paul is saying, I die daily, right? We must be willing to die to self daily. We need to have the attitude, uh, the same one that the prophet Isaiah had, here am I, uh, Lord, send me, right? God, use me. It's not about what I want and it's not about, it's not about what um, makes me most comfortable or pleases me the most or anything like that. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. The way to live is to die. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he says, I die daily. Let me give you a second one here this morning. The way to get is to give. Jesus himself says in Luke 6.38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now, our logic says that the way to get is to keep and save, right? That is, that is just good old-fashioned reason and logic. The way to get is to keep and save. But the truth is, is that our bushel will never overflow until we learn to give the way God tells us to give. 
the way to get is to give. Too many of us, too many Christians, right? Too many of you are still struggling with this thing uh, that we refer to as tithing. This thing of giving God uh, first of everything that comes into our life, right? The truth is, and and I'm just going to be super blunt and super honest with you here this morning, right? I'm not going to sugarcoat it, not even for a second. The truth is, is that you will not grow as a Christian until you learn to trust God enough to give give to Him first. Right? And giving to Him first, that's what we call a tithe, right? Tithe literally means 10%. But giving to God off the top, giving to Him first, that is the thing that is so misunderstood and misinterpreted when you go back to look at Cain and Abel and their sacrifice and what the problem was there, right? It was the heart of Cain. That's where the real problem is. I mean, we can can talk about some surface-level things, but it really boils down to Cain's heart, right? Abel give the firstlings of his flock and the fact thereof. He give the first, the best, right off the top. Cain did not do that. If you read and study that, he done the opposite of, of everything that Abel did. Listen. We have got to come to a point in our walk and in our faith and our relationship that we understand that the source of our getting is our Heavenly Father. It's not our job. It's not our bank. It's not our government. It's not our own uh, ingenuity and smarts and ability. Our source of getting is our Heavenly Father. Everything that you and that I have Right? Belongs to God. It don't belong to you. It don't belong to me. I appreciate the work ethic that has been instilled instilled in our society and in our nation uh, over the past, well, over its history. We've seen it weaken a lot here in the last few decades. But overall, there's always been a strong work ethic, the idea that if you work hard enough and try hard enough, you can achieve anything, you can get anything. You know, um, I appreciate, because I think God appreciates us uh, whenever we're not lazy and when we work. Right? I think we can go to Scripture and talk about that. But there's also a part of that reasoning and part of that logic that is very wrong. Very, very, I'm talking biblically wrong. God is the source. God is where the blessings comes from. God is where everything that we got, it comes from Him and it belongs to Him. The Bible teaches, it, it never teaches us that if you, if you try hard enough and work hard enough, you can achieve anything. The Scripture does not teach that anywhere, right? The Bible does not teach that. Every, what it does teach is that everything that we have belongs to God and we are just a steward of it. God has, has saw us as faithful put it in our care and given us the responsibility to take care of it, to manage it, to be a steward of it. So we've got to remember that the source of our getting, whatever we have, is not not our own ability, 
but it is because God has put it into our care. God has put it into our hands, right? He is the one, right? There has never been, it, it, listen to me, that's why we, we go to the scripture, go to the psalmist whenever David says uh, that my father owns all the cattle on a thousand hills, right? Because, because God is the owner of it all, right? There may be a person or multiple persons that are stewards over it, but it's really God's, right? Just as quickly and easily, what I'm trying to get at is just as quickly and easily as you got it and it's there, it can also be gone, right? In a moment, right? In the flash of an eye, in the blink of an eye, uh, overnight, one night, whatever, it can all be gone. But listen to me. I started out by saying, you must understand that our source of getting is our Heavenly Father, not anything else. And you've also got to understand that there has never been a time when God didn't have the means of supplying all of our needs. Now, we get wants and needs all mixed up sometimes, but there's never been a time. There has never been a time. And let me tell you something else that we get a little mixed up on, I think, sometimes too. Poverty is not necessarily a sign of spirituality. Listen, if you could find a, a bank that paid 50% interest. Now, I know interest rates are going up and savings accounts that we're paying a quarter of a percent are paying 4 and 5% now. I, I, I got that. I understand that. But if you could find a bank today that would pay you 50% interest on your money, you would invest everything that you had. You would run there as hard as you can. Can I tell you this much? Now, don't listen. Now, listen to me. I'm not preaching some sort of prosperity gospel or anything like that. But the bank of heaven pays a whole lot more dividends than that 50%. You've just got to be willing uh, to understand, right? We, we, and to give and to have your heart. Listen to me. We hear of sacrificial giving uh, all the time, right, without thinking about or understanding what it really means. I think that we think it means giving, so that sacrificial giving means giving so much that you might have to do without. Listen to me. What it really means is giving so much that there's no way that we can make it. That sacrificial giving there, that requires us to live on faith, not on what we, uh, what we already have or can scrounge up on our own, right? That's how we, we think that we're really giving sacrificial giving if we, just cut it, if we give so much that we just cut it down to the bare minimum. That's not sacrificial giving because you're still relying on yourself instead of walking by faith and trusting in God. Uh, and you know what? You know what happens? Uh, if you give in abundance to God, uh, God supplies in abundance, period, right? You cannot ever outgive God. I challenge you to try to outgive God, right? Whenever, whenever you give and give abundantly, right, uh, God shows up and he supplies every time. Listen to me. Let me share just a quick analogy or illustration with you real quick. The faucet does not create the water. Go to the sink, turn the, turn the faucet on. Water comes out. That faucet does not create the water. All that faucet is is the opening for the water to travel through, to come out of. God gives to you and to me so that we can give to God's work and then God gives again so that we can give again and then God gives again 
so that we can give again and so on and so on. Do you understand how that works? Right? That's why I'm saying the way to get is to give. And that defies all human reason and logic. And let me throw one more at you. The way up is down. The way up is down. Jesus said in, in, in Matthew chapter 18, you don't have to, you can turn there. Uh, I'm not going to right now. But in Matthew chapter 18, disciples ask who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus calls a little child over there uh, and puts him right in the middle of the group, right in the midst of them. And I can see him standing there and talking to them and pointing at this little child and talking to his disciples while pointing to the child, little child standing there in the midst of them and saying, and he says to them, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's going down in order to go up. Uh, James chapter 4 and verse 6 uh, says, God resisteth the proud, uh, but giveth grace unto the humble. In John chapter 3 and, and verse 30, we see that uh, John the Baptist, speaking of Jesus, says that uh, he must increase, that Jesus must increase, right? Must become greater, right? John says he must increase, but I must decrease, right? You cannot go up without first going down. So if you don't, let me just bring it to this right here. If you don't get down and humble yourself before God, you'll never see heaven. Do you, do you understand? This right here is the most important thing that you'll hear all day. Better yet, this is the most important thing that you'll hear ever this side of eternity. If you do not get down and humble yourselves before God, right? When I'm talking about humble yourselves before God, right? Do you understand what that means to humble yourself before God? Sure, kneeling is, a, is an outward sign of submission and humbling ourselves, but that is not all what I'm talking about, right? I mean, absolutely, it's good that we physically do that, right? project that outward sign, but when we humble ourselves before God, we are admitting, right, our need, our lack, our inability to save ourselves, right? Our, our need for a Savior, right? That we are wrong, right? That's repentance, right? When we humble ourselves before God, right, we, we come before Him humbly with a humble and contrite heart, right? broken, right, by the knowledge of our sin that we have sinned and we have done wrong, that we are, are, are at, at, at odds against God and in a sense the enemy against Him, fighting against Him, rebelling against Him, warring against Him, right? And we've got to humble ourselves, right? Come before Him humbly and admit I'm wrong and you're right to God, not to me or some person. But to God. Understand that we need forgiveness. Listen to me. To know that you need forgiveness and then ask for it, that's a very humbling 
experience. And if you don't get down and humble yourself before God, if you don't go through the process that I'm talking about here with it from a sincere, contrite heart, one that has been convicted by the Holy Spirit of God, right? If that doesn't happen, you will never see heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you don't do that, you will never see heaven. If you don't figure out how to get out of the way and give God all of the glory for everything that He does through you, you'll never see another blessing. Listen to me. I know all of this, and there is so much more, but I won't keep you here all day. I know all of this goes, goes against our thinking, our understanding, our reasoning. Some of it even might seem like foolishness. But God's ways are much higher than ours. Ellen read to us this morning from 1 Corinthians and uh, verse 19 and verse 20 says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. In the scripture, let me pause there for a minute. In the scripture that I read to you uh, here in uh, chapter 3, actually if you back up in chapter 3 to the verses right before I read to you, it talks about um, how that uh, there are those that are willingly ignorant of the word of God, those who are willingly ignorant of what God has, the judgment that God has brought about in the past, right? We're talking about judgment by water and willingly ignorant of what of the judgment that is coming, right? Of the, of the second coming of the Lord and what God is going to do in the future. God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? There are definitely some things that are hard to understand. But let me leave you with these three the way to live is to die. You want to live a, that abundant life that Jesus promises, and you want to, you want to live for Him and uh, uh, experience all the blessings and the joy and everything that God has for you. You're going to have to learn how to die daily to self. You're going to have to learn how to, to crucify uh, the tongue, your eyes, your ears, your hands. You're going to have to learn what the Apostle Paul meant when he says, I die daily. The way to live is to die. The way to get is to give. I am not talking about huge bank accounts with more money in it than you'll ever spend the rest of your life. I'm talking about riches in heaven. The way to get is to give. Until you get that, you won't get true riches.
No, you won't. And the way up is down. You're not, you're not going to see heaven until you figure that one out. You're not going to see heaven until you figure out how to get down before God and humble yourself before Him. So, as Jennifer comes for a song of invitation this morning, let me just simply ask you this. Where are you this morning? Where are you in your walk with the Lord? Where are you in your relationship with Him? Do you have one? Do you walk and talk with Him daily? Or is there some things in the way that hinders that? There's some things that maybe need to be crucified that needs to be put to death. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come this morning. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come this morning? Right, that matters more than anything else that I'm saying right now. If the Spirit of God is dealing with your heart, you feel Him pulling on your heartstrings here this morning. He has pricked your heart here this morning. You feel it been, been, been pricked here this morning. I'm begging you, don't think about anything else. Don't worry what others might think or anything like that. I'm begging you, would you come this morning? Maybe you've got a need in your life, right? Maybe there's some things going on, right? Maybe there's somebody you need to be praying for. Maybe it's your own soul, right? Maybe... Maybe there's some things that's hard to understand that you've been wrestling with. Whatever it is, I'm asking you, would you come this morning? Whatever the need is here this morning, would you come? Would you come?